0: has brought Israel from the Red Sea and went into the wilderness of Sir, and they were there. They went three days into the wilderness and found the water. Well, it's been well over three days, or right at going on the fourth day now, since the Passover, the days of unleavened bread, that we came out of sin. It was just three days, and I wonder. Here we see in verse 23, and when they came to Moriah, they could not drink the water. The water was bitter. It had uh, probably salt, or it just, you know, sometimes it's like our water here. One of the wells uh, comes out black, and sometimes they have a little sulfur in it, and we just don't like to drink it. But basically, we have good water here. The people didn't have water to drink, and it's three days without water. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, "What are we going to drink?" So sure, it's easy as a <clears throat> as a human being <clears throat> to uh, to go through the Passover, through the days of unleavened bread. Our minds is focused on. Our past, now on our future, recognizing that Christ paid our our penalty. Our past now has been wiped out. It's wiped out. But the cares of this world, what happens? It's easy as a human being, isn't it, to get caught up in daily life. It's real easy. And, uh, I found that happening myself. I, I want to get up and pray and get things done. But then you get all these things happening and I think, where is my mind? I'm just thankful that I can live here in Anatol. And when I start to get caught up in the world, I have brothers and sisters who I talk to and get your focus back where it belongs. Focusing on God. And focusing on where we're to go. In Proverbs 29, we're told, where there is no vision, the people perish. So I'm sitting there thinking, if I get so caught up in my daily life, am I losing the vision of where I'm going? What's required of me? What God wants? What I have to do in my life? You know, Last year, the year before, all that's gone. I can't bring that up. When I took the Passover, I had no bad feelings toward anybody. I only had love and respect for God and for the calling that He gave us and the opportunity to understand that my past is now forgiven. Oh, I can look back there and learn from mistakes, but I don't quite dwell on it. But as a human... It's easy to want to bring that skill up and out. But I took the Passover, and now it's forgiven. So it's easy to be a human being, isn't it? It's easy to have a job or family or things to do and lose perspective. Unless you have someone to back you up. And thankfully, I've got my wife, I've got... Brothers and sisters here, we went out yesterday and got uh, commodities, and we were able to spend time together, three of us. And it keeps your mind focused on what you have to do. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? that the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary, and there is no searching of His understanding. But I'm human, and I faint. As I get older, I find it more difficult to do things. I find it hard to keep my my track. But then I can go and read scriptures like this and say, God doesn't forget. Says God, the Creator of the earth, He's not fainting. He's not weary. He's not laxed. Remember, I Elijah when he was chiding with the uh, priests of Baal, and he told him, Maybe God, maybe your God, Baal's off chasing women, or maybe He's off asleep, or on a big journey. That's not our Creator. He's very much aware of. It. Who we are, where we are, and what's happening in our life. Verse 29, he gives power to the faint. I'm thinking, wow, if I just will come to him and say, help. Give me the understanding. Help me through this day. Help me to keep focusing. Keep the vision of where I have to go. And he promises me that. He promises that to you. He says, I will give power to those that are fainting, those that are falling short. And to them that have no might, he increases their strength. And I look for that in the future, you know. I can envision maybe, a, like Scripture says, God's going to give us deer legs. I can envision my wife being right there. We're, we're going and seeing these things and doing these things and we're active and we're around. But right now, sometimes I find it hard. I find I just can't keep going sometimes. But God says, he's going to increase my strength. He's going to increase your strength. Mentally strength, physical strength, spiritual strength. God promises that to us. And so as we go on this year, we look at that vision. That should be part of that vision. We're going to have the strength and the power and the physical and spiritual understanding to keep going. Verse 30, For even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. So those people without God's Spirit, even though they're youthful, are going to be weak. But they that wait upon the Eternal shall renew their strength you know, day by day, that's why we're admonished so often to study the Bible, to look into it. God tells us to Paul, we should prove, not prove what uh, the world's doing, but prove God's Word. Prove that this is our Creator. Prove what He's given to us. And they shall mount up with wings of eagles. You know, have you ever watched an eagle fly? they can move out. I've seen the pictures of an eagle capturing a fish. Well, we're going to be able to move with the wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Sometimes it's difficult. But our God has a vision of something greater, something more important. He wants us not to look at the past, but to look at the future. Keep that vision to keep going forward. You know, if we slip and fall, you know, I used to hear that so often one step forward and two backward. You know, we want to take two forward, and if you have to go back one, but you don't even want to do that. You want to keep going forward and forward and growth in growth and spiritual understanding. First Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 5. See, if I had to read it out of the Bible, which it is, I just print it out where I can read it. Bigger words. I think back to Mr. Armstrong. When he used to sit up there and he'd have a note page on there and just a few notes. And got to where he have a big piece of paper with one word. Well, eyesight goes to and So hopefully, not only being able to run and do all those things, be able to see too and hear and be able to remember and help other people. Second Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. If we have Christ dwelling in us, we are new. We took the Passover. We have Christ in us. We are now new. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's a new day. It's a new time. It's a new opportunity. So we got to keep focusing on I'm going forward. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Emmanuel Christ, and has given us, to us, the ministry of reconciliation. You know what reconciling is? Changing, going God's way. Changing your way to becoming God's way. I thought I had that written down out of the thing what reconciliation was. But it's, it's oh, there it is, to change from being an enemy to a friend. Changing your relationship with God. So here Paul said we should be, we have a, a ministry of reconciliation. Changing our enmity to God, our faults with God, to being a friend of God. To change the attitude and accept the Provisions God has made for us. What God gave to us. We have a tremendous opportunity. We don't have time to get all caught up in things that are not for the betterment of people. We only have time to go forward. In Romans 5.10 says, For if when we were enemies, and this points out this reconciliation, if we were, were once enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Pointing out why we took the Passover. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. So through Christ living in us, then we are reconciled to God. We are brought in a position where we can call on Him daily. And it's difficult sometimes. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19 to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God's using Christ not only to bring us into contact with him, but it's the overall end result is the world. The whole world's going to be brought into reconciliation with God, not imputing their trespasses unto them and has committed unto us. The word of reconciliation. Now, then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Just like we send ambassadors to other places to represent the nation to these other nations, we are here to represent Christ to the the people of this world. So you're an ambassador. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray... You in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. For he has made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin that we might be made righteousness of God to him. God made a contract with us when we were baptized. It's a binding contract. It's a contract that says we're going to do it God's way. We're going to give up all that we have, all of our thoughts, all of our actions, all of our you know, petty beliefs, maybe, and do it his way. It's a binding contract. It says that this is your opportunity. God is testing the church right now, not the world. But we could be ambassadors to this world. In Romans eight, verse thirty one. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? So we've got a, a tremendous amount of responsibility, but we're not doing it alone. We're not alone on a daily basis. Yes, we slip and we fall, but God says, "I'm there to help you." We're not alone in this world. Christ said to the apostle uh, to the uh, You know, the apostles, remember there in in, uh, John 6.15 or 16, 16? That He would send His Spirit to us. God's Spirit, which is the Spirit of God, it is the mind of God and the mind of Christ to help us on a daily basis. So we're not alone in this world. We're not alone in the trials that hit us. We have Christ there to help us. Verse 32 in Romans 13, uh, 8. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for, all, for us all, how shall we not then, uh, not with him also freely, give us all things? So he's going to give to us everything. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who is going to look down at any person that God has called and set aside and, and say they're bad people? You know, read Jude. My daughter told me, and I, and I thought I was going to do a sermon on Jude. But read Jude. Jude had jumped on all of us. He jumped on me. Maybe that's why I didn't want to really get it. I want to read it. Who has laid anything against the charge of God's elect? Who's doing that? It is God that justifies. So each one of you have been justified by the blood of Christ. So who's going to say you're, pro- you're a problem, you're, you're bad, you're doing this wrong or that wrong? If we do that, are we going to God and saying, you don't know what you're doing? Can we look at each other and find fault? God put you here. He called you as an individual. He knows you better than you know yourself. He wants you to be a part of what he's doing. So God has a contract with us. We signed it when we were baptized, and it's binding. So we are God's now. So then he can say through Romans, through Paul, who can put a charge against my people? The one that I selected. And that's something to give a lot of thought. You know, God has a vision of something more than what we do. We're kind of boxed in. I get to thinking about this so often. I walk outside and look at the stars and I think, My, we're so small. I'm just a speck of a speck on this planet. And this planet is only a speck of this solar system, which is only a speck of the galaxy, which is only a speck out there in that vastness. But being human, we're boxed. We can't comprehend the limitless space that God has out there. We can only think of there has to be an end someplace. But with God, there is no end. God's vision is so vast and so far beyond ours, and he wants us to try to get a little bit of that vision. Look at Isaiah 45. I know the first part of Isaiah 45 is talking to uh, Cyrus, a man who doesn't know God. But he gave him a job. Because God's vision is far behind, ahead of ours. But I want to go down to verse 11. Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and His Maker, Ask me of anything to come concerning my sons. Ask God, what has He got concerning His sons? And concerning the work of my hands, command you me? Do we look at God and say, what did you do this for? Why did you put this person here? Why have you selected me? Why have you selected the other person? Why didn't you call this person? God says, why are you going to question me? I have made the earth and created man upon it, God says. I'm the one that did this. And we know that one that's speaking there was Christ, because John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He created all things, and that being, that Word, became Christ. So here he is saying, I made the earth, I created men upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens, and the host have I commanded. That's why I said I look out there and I see the vastness of all this out there that God has done and then realize that he made earth and he put people on this earth for a purpose. And he goes on in verse 17 and he said, but I will, but Israel shall be saved. He said, even though these people have gone contrary. Even though humanity has gone contrary, says, I am going to save Israel. He's going to save the church. We know that. They might have to go through the tribulation. But God's got a purpose. Verse 18, For thus says the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he has established it, He created it not in vain. So God's vision, when he made earth, he didn't do this just on a, well, just a worthless thing. No, he had a purpose. He didn't make it in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. Look at Mars. I talked to uh, Kirby Vincent just before he left, and he said, because I thought it was taking a couple of, years to get to Mars now they have reestablished that and say they can get there in 6 months you know how long it takes in 6 months how much food's consumed how big a vessel would it take how much water how much air and once you get there what are you going to do because Mars is dead the moon is dead the planets there is no life on these planets I thought they had talked about having water on Mars. He said, no, they have established the fact that it's probably carbon dioxide that that, uh, crystallizes, convicts, looks like water, and then it vaporizes and comes back and forth. So why do we want to go to to Mars or Venus or Jupiter, places we can't even reach beyond our capability? We want to be here on this planet that God created, And he put people on it, and he did it for a purpose. This is a training ground. We know that Satan had a purpose of making this earth for men to live on, and he left it. We can read those in Jude. Satan left his first estate, and the angels that he was able to reach out. You know, that's interesting how you can take over a period of time, Take somebody who has been created, who knows God, has been living God's way, and sway them the wrong direction. It didn't happen overnight. It takes time. Takes a word here, or a word there, or a little thought here, a thought there, and before you know it, you have the same problem that happened in Israel, don't you? When Korah, Dathan, and Abiram reached out to people. It didn't happen overnight. They were working on the people for a long time. But the end result was death. All those people that went contrary, that lost the vision, lost the vision of what God was doing. He offered to all of Israel eternal life. He offered to them an opportunity to be a great nation that the world could look at and say, Hey, this is the way to live. But it's easy to communicate with people. It's easy to say, Hey, you know, I have a charge against some of God's elect. Brother or sister, friend. They don't have to be right here. We can find fault with anybody. Can we, as an individual, charge one of God's elect? Oh, we we rub shoulders sometimes. and, And when we live on a daily basis next to each other, it's easy to see faults. I remember back when I first came into church, I had an opportunity to go to Big Sandy and take one of the ministers up there I thought, man, this is my opportunity. I've got three little kids here, and and I'm going to go to this minister's house. This guy is right with God. He's perfect. I come back home and told my wife, I said, you do a better job with our children than the minister did. But they're human, see. So did I find a fault with him? No, I was finding fault with God, maybe. Because they're human too. On a daily basis, we trip and stumble. And we're supposed to be there to pick each other up. And this community, we have a great opportunity, don't we? Helping each other. Verse 19, And I have not spoken in secret, God says. You can go out there and around the back. and You know, we got so many secret societies. If, if you say the secrets, you're going to die or have your tongue cut out or whatever they're going to do to you. No. God says, I didn't speak in secret or in a dark place of the earth. I said not to the seed of Jacob, seek you me in vain. Are we seeking God in vain? What was it that Solomon said? If all we have is this life, why are we struggling out here in the desert? Why don't we go out there and eat, drink, and be merry? Because if this is all we have, is this, this life, and that's why I look at this and say, this universe is so big. God's got so much more in store. We can't even fathom what He's going to do. I told my wife this morning, I said, if God would take this solar system and collect it back into one big ball, each one of us would have access to maybe billions of acres of land because it's so broad, it's so vast. And what God has out there is so big. And we have just a short life to, to make the changes. So God is not looked at us and said, Are you seeking me in vain? No. I don't think that we're seeking God in vain. I think our hearts are in it to do it God's way, to be a part of the family, to be able, to be born into the family, and then come back and work with humans and help them to see there's a better way of life, a life of peace and harmony. Well, We want certain things in this life, and God gives it to us as we need it. Most of the time when we want, it's not what we really need. We want more than we need. And so we get greedy and, you know, get our our hopes and everything set in the wrong place and we forget where we're going. We don't see what God sees. We're training here to be gods. We're training here to learn how to deal with people in the world tomorrow. When they become upset, we have little children that possibly will be in the world tomorrow as physical human beings. And we're going to be there to help them along. And they will have a background already of what it's like. So are we making the change in our life? Are we realizing that God, we're not seeking God in vain? Now, we're seeking God because our heart is in it to do it His way. And we don't want to be caught and pulled aside and have uh, somebody come up and talk about a brother or a sister. Because we don't have the right to put a charge against anybody until we can be like Christ. That's why I did those two sermons on looking in the mirror. Can I look in that mirror, which is the Bible, can I look in there and say, hey, man, do I look like Christ? No. When I look in there, I say, boy, did I fall short. I fall short on those marks. I can find fault with anybody. And sometimes with my wife. Of course, she finds fault with me all the time. But, we but, you know, I'm glad that God brought my wife with me because it's a very great encouragement. We can sit there in the mornings and think about what God is doing. We can go through the scriptures and we can communicate and we can uplift each other and start the day out in a positive direction. So can I find fault with our heart in vain? No, we don't. Look unto me and be you saved, God says. Look unto God, and that's where salvation comes. All the ends of the earth, for I am God, God says, and there is none else. There's no other gods. We've seen the Father in Christ, there is none. I have sworn by myself, and the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness, and shall not return, that unto me every knee will bow, and every tongue will swear. Everybody, every human being is eventually going to come to this point. We are going to bow down and say, thank you, help me, guide me. For what you've given to me. You talk about hope and a vision, what's in front of each one of us. Boy, that's great to think about that. It's fantastic in my mind to sit out there and think, what God has offered to me, all I have to do is obey. Now, this book is instruction book on life. I remember he how many times Mr Armstrong would get up to when I first started listening on the World Tomorrow broadcast he said everything in that I need to know to be a part of a god family is right here and it's easy to understand but sometimes we make it difficult but god says it's easy christ said my my path is light it's easy to handle You just have to be willing to yield. But but we want to make it hard sometimes. Maybe because we just don't understand. I don't know. But I find myself in the same boat too. So, you know, I'm human too. And I can get frustrated at people. And I know people get frustrated at me. I can find things because of my background and what I've done in my life. You know, I've spent 22 years in research and development in electronics. And so if I see somebody doing something wrong, I can be upset because they didn't do it my way. But my way is not always the right way. I spent 20 years in beekeeping. I spent 10 years of my life repairing water softeners. And I still have a lot to learn, and I don't know all the answers. And I've been able to go back once in a while and see a friend back there who runs a business, and he shows me, you know, what you were doing wrong all the time—not all the time, but you know, some of the times you could have done it better. But this life is a training ground. God wants you. I remember those signs years ago, Second World War, because I was still alive at that time. And uh, the Korean conflict. And the signs of the picture of what we called Uncle Sam sending, I need you, I want you. Well, this is God saying to you, I want you. I've got a purpose for you. Each person here. you know, I know we have some that can't walk, some that... Are older. Some that can't seem to to get out there and do the things like I do. You know, I so I am I'm physically capable of doing a lot of things. Some of you are not, but you do something that I can't do. You can pray. And God said, those that have a lot of money when they give a con you know give an offering to God doesn't mean as much as the widows might. So just the widow who only prays, who can encourage, talk on the phone, can help and support. Maybe they can't do physical things. I can do the physical things. But your job is sometimes more important than mine. Yes, I can go out there and fix a water leak, but you can pray and with your heart, as James says in James 5, the prayers of the righteous will save the sick. So if your prayers are so important to God that they will save a sick person, and all I did was repair a water problem and go home, you've accomplished so much more. So the vision that we should have is not... I'm going to be important. I'm going to do the speaking. I'm going to do the hall setup. I'm going to take and uh, contribute, make a lot of money and contribute to these things. God doesn't need your money. Though it's nice to have it, but God doesn't need your money. We're told in Psalms so many places everything is His anyway. When He wants us to have it, it will be there. What He wants from me. What he wants from you is your heart. He wants your heart and your love for him. And as he says in Matthew 25, if you love your brother and your sister in Christ and in the world, then you love him. But if you find hatred and fault, then how can you sit up there and say, I love God? If I hate a brother. Or if I find fault with a brother. Because we're finding fault with God. God put them where they are. You're only here because God called you. I was out there in New Mexico in 1963, 62. I was looking forward to... Children and doing a lot of things and making a lot of money and being something big until I turned on the radio and there was a man there who said don't believe me believe your Bible blow the dust off your Bible and I thought well I've listened to these other people they said uh, we need your money support us you know do it this way. Do it that way. Not just one voice. I wasn't looking for God's way of life. And neither were you. God looked down there and said, I can name that person. They have qualities that maybe they don't know about. So I'm going to work with them because I need to build a family. And that's what Christ is doing. That's what the Father is doing. His vision is a family. Our vision sometimes is uh, making a big community, maybe, or having a lot of people. Well, God's vision is having a lot of people, too lots of children, lots and lots of children, billions of children. That's His vision. His vision is that all of Israel will be saved, and not only Israel, but all humanity. Our vision is, hey, maybe I'll make it, or maybe I can get a better job, or you know. So sit down and think of what your vision is. God's vision is to build a family. That's God's vision. Ephesians four. And in that family, he's given each person a job. Sometimes we don't know what our job is. Sometimes we even try to walk away from that job. But God's given you a job. In the future, you're going to be working with humans. And if you have a difficulty with your life right now, you better learn how to straighten it up because there will be a lot of people asking you, How do I do this? How can I change that? Because we know it says there are going to be people who are going to start going the wrong way, and the children of God are going to walk up and say, "Well, that's the wrong way. There's a better way. There's a much better way." I was before I get into Ephesians. I want to go back, to it, and as I thought of that, in the Garden of Eden, God put Adam and Eve. And he said, I want to teach you the right way. But there's also another way. And you have to make the choice. You know, we're in that same position Adam and Eve had. God has offered to Adam eternal life. God offered to you eternal life. God has set in the Garden of Eden two ways of life. God has set in front of each one of us two ways of life. Two ways. God would like us to choose his way. But it's awful easy, isn't it, to choose the other way. And what happened to Adam? God made him go out there and till the ground and let the weeds come up and all those things. All the weeds and the tares. And he had to struggle to produce a living when we make the wrong decision and we want to make the decision ourselves the way we're going to go, what happens? It's difficult. It's not easy. So here in Ephesians 4, God says, and he's put people in the position. He put you where you are for a reason. He gave some apostles. So God did that. I know there is one head of this church that is Jesus Christ. Emmanuel for us because he's with us. But he has put some in the church as apostles because he's used those people that were willing to make a change in their life to help other people. He gave some prophets, and so he gave through those prophets understanding of what's going to happen. And we have the whole Bible filled with prophets. He gave some evangelists who can go out there and and encourage and bring people and strengthen them and have them just get all fired up for God. He gave some pastors and some teachers. For what reason? Just because he wanted to have a hierarchy? No, it wasn't for a hierarchy. For the perfecting of the saints, each person that he has selected, he wants them to be perfected. He wants them to be perfect. He wants them to know the right way to go. For the edifying of the body. There's a lot of things we don't know. We have learned, in this little group, we have learned a lot of things. Yes, they're changed from what they were. It's still the same doctrine. It's still the same way of life. But God did it to perfect us, each and every one of us. He wants us to be perfected for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, until all come in the unity of the faith. So that's the purpose. It's not a hierarchical deal. It's trying to make us perfect. To be unified, be able to get along and be able to then help people when there are billions of people gonna to have to be schooled and educated. In the world tomorrow, start out with maybe a hundred million people. They're gonna to have to be taught, they're gonna to have to be trained. We have to learn that today. We all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of God, the Son of God, and God the Father. We are learning who God is. We are able to learn what He wants us to learn. We're able to come to the knowledge that we're part of the family. We're brothers and sisters. He has a vision of this big family. Do you have a vision of this big family? Is your vision limited to you on a daily basis? Is it limited to your job? Is it limited to where you live? Is it limited to this universe? Just go outside at night. We're going to be almost a new, uh, new moon, so I mean there'll be no light. We're 5,000 five feet here, you can see millions of stars out there, billions of stars. God is going to have to give you the opportunity to be a part of that, too. What is it like to go halfway to the center of this galaxy, which is so vast, it blows your mind? The closest star to the star sun that we have is a light year away. That's 100 86, I think it's 173,000 miles a second. Now, I've hold my voice for a couple seconds, and where would you be? We can't even reach 34,000 miles an hour. So how can we get to the closest star to this star? can't. But we can get there by being part of a family. Capturing a vision that God has. We can't go backward, we have to go forward. So we have to recognize that our past life has been wiped away. God forgave all of your sins. When Christ, when we took the Passover this year, We, God forgave all of your years before past. We go forward from this point. Israel went forward three days and was discouraged. It's been three days. Have you at any time tried to find fault with God? I know it says they got fault with Moses, but it was God who led them. You're here today because God brought you here. Do we find fault with each other? If we do, we're finding fault with God. Why did God bring me here? Because He's got a vision, and He wants me to capture that vision. He wants you to capture that vision, and you have a tremendous opportunity. I mean, your opportunities are astounding. Are you looking to the future? Are you looking at God and what He's got to offer to us? We have boys and girls, little people that don't have an opportunity. We have a bigger opportunity. You know, they'll live in the world tomorrow in a society where Satan's been put away. So they don't have to worry about somebody going to come and blow you up, blow himself up and blow you up, or you're at at a, supporting events and killing people. Don't worry about? They won't worry about that because that's not going to happen. But you have the vision of being a part of what God is doing. Support God by supporting what He's doing. Put your heart into it. Start looking forward. Stop looking at the past. You know, forget the past. It's... <laughs> It's done in, it's like spilt milk. You're not going to go out there and spill a gallon of milk on the ground and suck it back out of there. No, you're not going to bring your back. You're not going to bring your past back. You can't move and go back and be at the same position you were years before. It won't happen. I've tried. It doesn't work. What works is going forward. What works. Is looking to what God is doing. Allow Him to lead you, allow Him to guide you, and put the right vision in mind. You are important. Each person is important to God. You're not seeking God in vain, not away. So, where is your vision? Is it here? Or is it on what God has?